Hi there. Welcome to Yokine Baptist Church. The following sermon was recorded at one of our regular Sunday services. I hope you find it encouraging and it draws you closer to God. Enjoy. Matthew 16, 13 to 18, 19. And then we move on to um, Romans 12. Okay? So Matthew 16, 13 to 19. Have you all found your places now that I've waffled? Okay, Peter's declaration about Jesus. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, But who do you say I am? Actually, I'm in the wrong version. Sorry. I worked the double yesterday. Forgive me, please. Okay. I'm back on to NIV. So now you can follow me. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Let me flick over to Romans. Am I right? Romans 12, 1 to 3. 3 to 8. Humble service in the body of Christ. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. It is ser- if it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. And if it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord. Let's get into God's word, shall we? You know, I think it's um, probably uh, obvious to everyone 
um, that church decline across the world has been um, obvious for, for, for a number of years now. Uh, at least in the Western church, there are still some places where the church is really booming and growing, uh, usually in um, you know, sort of uh, third world countries and places where the church has been persecuted. Um, so I don't know what that says about us, that we've got it too easy, that we, uh, we seem to, to not put the effort in or something, I don't know. But, you know, one reason that people tend, or why attendance tends to be down, um, is because there's been a decline in the frequency of people attending church. So, for instance, you know, you go back 40 years and they might have said you were an active member if you attended you know, twice on Sunday and plus for the midweek Bible study. You know, so you turn up three times a week. Nowadays, if you turn up two or three times a month, they consider you an active member. You know, so the, the general uh, kind of commitment to, to being here seems to have uh, decreased and so you've got less, less consistent numbers in worship. Another thing that's happened, and, you know, those of us who are parents have noticed this. Oh, hang on. My wife is going to sit there and she's going to go, Slow down for Joe. Okay. I get excited in the word and I get run on. Another is that we put a lot more emphasis now on, um, on our kids' sporting activities and things. And, of course, when I was a kid, um, you played footy on Saturday afternoon. Now, almost all of our um, kids' sports activities are on Sunday and quite often on a Sunday morning. And so uh, that's drawn a number of families away from church. And of course, yet another factor, which is an exciting thing in some ways, there are so many resources out there now for spiritual growth. You know, you can get onto YouTube and you can watch sermons, you can do Bible studies, you can download materials. There's such a wealth of stuff that's out there um, that people people use and they say, oh, well, I can be a Christian, but I don't have to go to church. Uh, and so there's those resources. Um, and a final factor in this, well, not the, only, not the final factor, but in, in my message here this morning, the, is that people don't feel guilty about missing church anymore. Now, I'm kind of okay with that last one because I don't think we should be doing anything out of guilt. I believe the Holy Spirit prompts us, he convicts us, he challenges us, he draws us to greater things. But I don't think he's here, he wants to make us feel guilty. So turning up out of guilt is not a great reason to be here. But there are some really great reasons to be part of church. Now in Chronicles 12, there's a whole list of all the warriors that started to come across to David's side in the war against Saul. And in 1 Chronicles 12.32 we read that from Issachar there were men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. See, these men understood the times and knew that David was going to be a better king than Saul. Uh, if you haven't already got notes, there are some handout notes if you wanted to follow along and take notes uh, just in the foyer. You're welcome to grab them. So what about us? What do we do in these uncertain times? And let's face it, the last 12 months have been as uncertain as any we, we've probably had in decades. Well, option one 
is we can completely ignore the times that we're in, just let the times pass us by and we'll just go on doing what we've always done and be content with that. Option two is to understand the times that we find ourselves in, the times that God has placed us in, and then respond to them with appropriate wisdom and guidance of the Spirit. And so just as the men of Issachar put in their lot with David, I'm putting my lot in with the local church. See, I don't know if there's ever been a time in history where the church has been more relevant and more desperately needed than now. We've got so much work to do. Now, here are some reasons why I think we need the church. Now, Jesus is the forerunner of everything the church does. We might call our denomination Baptist, but that doesn't mean we're followers of John the Baptist. Our church is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. As Moses started this service with singing, he is the cornerstone of this great church. So primarily, we call ourselves Christians. You know, even uh, secular Romans in writing, you know, like Nero talked about, oh, those horrible Christians who follow Christus, who, who we crucified. All right? So we've been called Christians for a long time. And so we had that Bible reading this morning about when Jesus asked his disciples who they thought he was, Peter declared, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus used a bit of a, a play on words to Peter because his name means a, a stone or a small rock. And he says, ah, oh, Peter, you're a stone. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Peter and his declaration of the Lordship of Jesus Christ is the foundation stone of this building. And because we've made that same declaration, each one of us has come to that point where we've said, Lord, I accept you as the saviour of my life. We know that we also are part of the same building. Now, the Greek word for church actually just means a gathering. Right, a getting together of people. The word church in scripture is never used to describe a physical building. It's used metaphorically sometimes, but this place here that we're standing in, this is not the church. You and I, as we gather in the Lord's name, are the church. One of the reasons I have great hope for the church is that the church had a great beginning. Jesus himself established the church. And he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The other thing about the church is that Jesus followed this statement about, you know, being the rock. With this interesting little declaration, he says, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So I could probably spend a whole sermon focusing on just this passage, which I won't today. But doesn't this just show what a tremendous responsibility Christ has given us? Now, obviously we know that only God can forgive sin. Right? Only God can save. 
You know, there's nothing, there's nothing your pastor can do up here that can save you. There's nothing each one of you can do for your family that can save them. They are saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. So Jesus isn't giving us the power, you know, to go down a line of people and go, uh, you're saved, you're saved, not you, or definitely not you, uh, you're saved. He hasn't given us that power. That's not what he's talking about there. So what does it mean? What is the power that we have? We have the power to bring freedom and break chains that are binding people in their lives. You see, technically speaking, the gospel doesn't need us. You know, there's nothing in God that needs us. God is fully sufficient. God is eternal. He is all-powerful. But isn't it wonderful that God chooses to use us? That God chooses to give us the blessing of being involved in his work of salvation. That's exciting. That's an incredible privilege. God chooses to work through ordinary flawed people like me and like you. If we think of the gospel like a, a powerful sports car, I mean, I know that doesn't look real powerful, but let's, I've got a mate uh, who, uh, who's, what, what is it, Josh? It's a, a Mustang, brand new Mustang. It's this big, powerful beast. And usually when you have a car, um, you know how they try and muffle the exhaust as much as possible so it's quiet? The Mustang actually has different settings. It has quiet setting, medium setting, and raw setting. So you can actually set your car up so that it... It's, it's meant to be heard. It's meant to be heard, right? It's a powerful beast. And they want to tell everyone running down the street that you're in a powerful beast. So the gospel is this powerful car. And Jesus says to us, look, here are the keys. What are you going to do with it? We've got the full authority to bring the full power of God's truth in this world. And this world is hurting. This world is broken. This world needs us. And we've got to get out there and drive that car. Or we can leave it in the garage, you know, polish it every now and again, top up the oil and water, just never take it out for a drive. But as long as the Lord gives me strength, we're going to use it. We're going to get the keys, we're going to drive that gospel and we're going to get out there. You know, just like when my parents gave, uh, helped me to buy my first car. And uh, I imagine, since I've now been through the process myself, um, that they must have been a little bit nervous kind of when I took those keys and went out on my own for the first time. You know, maybe going out there with them in the, in the passenger seat was one thing, but getting out there on my own and you kind of, ooh, is he going to be okay? Jesus has placed a tremendous trust in us. And he wants us to get out there and do it. Look, we're not going to be perfect. We're not always going to get it right. You know, we, we sometimes get so worried that people are going to challenge us or ask us deep theological questions we can never answer. You know, don't worry about all that stuff. Just get out there and share what God has done for you. Just get out there and give it a go. We've been given the keys to the kingdom. 
And so we need to go forward in his power, under his protection, and by his grace and his spirit, we will transform the world around us. The uh, third thing about the church is that we're better together. Have you ever heard someone say, oh, I hate organised religion? And I can understand why they say that. I mean, we've just been through that horrible um, royal commission, you know, on the abuse of children in institutions. And sometimes the church really does forget its purpose. We forget our mission. Sometimes we think, you know, and we get so concerned about the hierarchy and the structure. You know, you have a church meeting and when you start talking about the church vision or doing great things, everyone sits there silently and watches you. But when you start talking about who's going to be in leadership and money, you suddenly people start getting all head up about it. You know, we, 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 get, we get, get, get too excited about the wrong things. But there's nothing wrong with being organised. I like being organised. I'm a little bit OCD. I love getting organised. And when we organise, we get things done. The human body, even this thing, for all its flaws, is still the greatest organised organism in the universe. It's amazing. And that's, that's what Paul uses to describe us as a church. He says, just of us has one body, but with many members. These members don't all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body. Each member belongs to all the others, and we all have different gifts according to the grace given us. See, when we're together, we find ways to, to, to live and share and spread God's truth. We, and we can't really do that just alone. You know, I know people who, who like to think they have great evangelistic gifts, but they're unplugged from the church. What are you going to do with those people, you saved? Where are they going to get their growth? How are, they going to, how are they going to learn how to then bring the next lot to the Lord? You know, the thumb is a really, really handy tool. You know, secular scientists say that it's the thing that separates us from the animals. I think there's probably a bit more to it than that, but, you know, a thumb by itself is completely useless. If I was to take this thumb off and put it here, go, wow, okay, do something. It can't. It's not possible. It needs to be connected to the hand. It needs the other fingers. It needs the arm. It needs the brain directing. It needs all the members working together to do something. Each of us has different qualities, different gifts. We all come from different backgrounds. We all bring our history and our experience and everything with us. And that makes us this beautiful, rich body that we are. You know, those things, when we work together, we will have ministry opportunities with the gospel that those of us who try and work alone would never have. We are created to be with one another. That's what we're for. You know, trends may say church attendance is down, but we are not subject to the trends of our culture. We are called to change and shape our culture with the power of the gospel. 
And that's why the author says in Hebrews, do not give up meeting together. We need to be together. We need to come together. I mean, we had a wonderful time a couple of weeks ago when we chopped down a whole bunch of branches from these trees down here. And we couldn't do it alone. You needed someone to pick up the chain mowers from the higher place. We needed someone to hold the ladder. We needed someone to climb the ladder. We needed someone to, you know, drag wood and cut it in pieces. There's a whole big process involved. We're so much better when we work together. Fourthly, personally, we need the church. See, our, our gathering together and, and our need for each other goes beyond um, what we can get done. Right? We don't just come together because we think, oh, we can get more done for the gospel. Coming together affects how we are ourselves in terms of our own personal growth, in terms of our own experiences. See, followers of Jesus are meant to be fueled by the church, equipped by the church, connected into the local church. There's a, there's a difficult passage in, in, in Colossians. Paul says here in, in chapter 3, that the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So this morning we, we sang a song of thankfulness as we gave our offerings. And so as we're doing this, we're, we're not just singing, we're hearing, we're learning, we're being encouraged to be thankful. We, taught, we sang a song about Christ being the cornerstone we're teaching one another that he is the foundation of our faith. So everything we do here in worship contributes to those different areas. See, we're called to grow deeper into our relationship with Jesus, to experience greater freedom in his spirit, to be transformed into his likeness. But how does that happen? It happens through this difficult phrase, as you teach and admonish one another. Teaching one another, that doesn't sound too bad, does it? I can teach, but admonish? That kind of sounds like naughty boy, Lionel. What have you been up to this week? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's what admonish sounds like, doesn't it? But, but you know, we don't have, you don't have to stand over someone and point the finger at them and, or whatever to admonish someone. Um, you can do that positively um, simply by proclaiming what the, what the Bible says and, and that causes us to go, oh, I don't know that I'm doing that that well. But you see, we all have different blind spots. You know, things that we can't necessarily see in ourselves. Um, you know, I, Margaret and I have been married for 35 years now and, and we, we have a, a, an agreement between us where we are always willing to acknowledge that the other person can see something often before we can see it in ourselves. And so the other party always has the right to say, this is what I'm seeing. And I'm not to get offended by that. I'm to go, my, my job is then to go stop and go, okay, what's happening that I'm missing? You see, so we all have blind spots and it's easy sometimes for others to see them and others to help us. We all have different experiences, different strengths and weaknesses. We all see things a slightly different way. We're all used to doing things our own way. 
Sometimes we've been doing the same thing the same way for years and years. You know, oh, that's the way Paul did it. It's good enough for me. You know. But someone else can come with a different experience and a different, different skill set and teach us something new. Now, I'm sure that, you know, I mean, I preach here, you know, 45 times a year let's say, on average. So we've been here for over three years now and, and a bit. So let's say we're getting close to um, 150 sermons that, that I've preached here. And I guarantee that there's not been a lot that's been absolutely brand new for you. You know, I would, I would imagine that, you know, you've, a lot of what I've said, you've heard before in some way or some form. You know, I'm not inventing things as I go. I'm using the same book the church has been using for 2,000 years. So you would think that my teaching should be consistent with what the apostles have taught for 2,000 years. But isn't it good though sometimes, or at least I hope, <laughs> on a Sunday morning that as I preach you may be hearing something in a new way or it may prompt you or remind you about something that you've maybe neglected. See, I'm not saying that when we come together we're necessarily going to change everybody's life in every way possible. But it may be that there's just one little thing that you say that even though the person knows it and they've known it for 20 years, that suddenly the click switch goes off in their mind and they go, oh, I think God's talking to me through that. That's how we teach and admonish one another. We meet together to reinforce God's truth, to equip ourselves, to equip each other. Gathering here with you guys is a highlight of my week. It guards my mind, it protects my heart, it keeps my life on track, it reminds me what's important. And the other thing that we do when we're together um, is that we help each other when we have needs. Paul says, when you come together, each of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, tongue, interpretation, whatever. But everything must be done so the church may be built up. You see, the purpose of us doing anything is to build others up. If you haven't worked it out yet, life can be hard. At some point, in some way, every one of us is going to go through the ringer. We all go through bad times, don't we? Some worse than others. But, you know, in those tough times, we need the support of our church family. And what a beautiful thing it is when God's family reaches out the hand of love and helps you in your difficult time. That's how we need each other. Finally, there's an even more important reason why we gather together. And it's not about me, it's not about you. It's about our Creator and our Saviour. You see, every week we get together, we, we read His Word, we pray, we listen to, we listen to a message, we sing, we, we do all these things to worship Him. We gather to worship God because he is worthy of our praise. Chronicles says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. 
Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. To worship God is to declare who he is and what place he has in our lives. And as we make that declaration, it causes our hearts and our minds to line up with, what, with the truth of what we're saying. Worship can transform us. Uh, the great author C.S. Lewis said, in the process of being worshipped, God communicates his presence to men. See, as we worship together, we are drawing closer to God. And anybody who comes close to God is changed. If you come close to God, it's impossible for you not to be changed. And that's why we come here together. How often do you hear about people going, oh, I'm going to change to this other church because they have better worship. What does that mean, better worship? You, you think they have a better band? You like the smoke machine and the flashing lights? Or what, what is it? Or, you, or, you, or oh no, this, this church sings all hymns and that's all I like. I'm going there. Whatever it might be. Oh, they've got better worship, so I'm going there. As if the reason I come to worship is to get a, to get a buzz from the whatever is happening around me. You know, like going to a great concert. I went to a concert recently uh, with my sister and we saw um, a tribute band for ELO, the Electric Light Orchestra. All these great tunes from the 70s and 80s and we're bopping along and we're really enjoying it and getting a great buzz. That's why I went. That's not why I come to church. You know, church is not about getting my needs filled. It's about glorifying him. Even if worship did absolutely nothing for us, it doesn't mean we shouldn't continue to gather. You know, we've had an interesting thing in our lives where God keeps calling us to churches we wouldn't normally want to be at. Right? I'm not talking about here. <laughs> we, before I even put in an application for one church, I remember we kind of just sort of snuck in the back one day and we, you know, it just, to, just to kind of get a feel, just to see what was happening. And we kind of got halfway through the service and we looked at each other. It was the most boring, dry, horrid thing I've ever experienced. And we just shook our heads. And as we drove home, we said, glad I didn't put an application in there. Well, that's, that was horrible. It's the worst worship I've ever seen. <laughs> and what happened over the next couple of weeks, God starts working and working and working and saying, that's where I want you to be. And that's where I ended up. <laughs> Because I'm meant to be where God calls me to be, not where I enjoy. You know, worship changed and developed over the years. That's great. You know, we went to a, um, on one occasion, we went to a, um, it was this real charismatic church, and I'd never been to a charismatic church before. And so I wasn't used to everyone raising hands and jumping up and down and all this sort of stuff. And I was so uncomfortable. I was so far out of my depth. You know? And yet, I felt God very strongly saying to me, this is where I want you to be. You see, God doesn't put me somewhere so that I can get whatever style it is, is my preference. That's not why I come to worship. Um, uh, another author, A.W. Tozer, said, sometimes I go to God and I say, God, 
If thou dost ever, sorry about the language, but that's what he said. If thou dost ever answer, uh, sorry, if thou dost never answer another prayer while I live on this earth, I will still worship thee as long as I live and in the ages to come for what thou hast done already. In other words, I am so far in God's debt that I could worship him for a million, million years and I still couldn't repay all that he has given me. God doesn't need our worship, but he does deserve it. You know, when it's working right, there is nothing like the church. I often have opportunities, you know, when I bump into people or we're on the, you know, we're on the, we're on the bus on our way to the football, right? You know, and so it's filled with Dockers supporters and they go, oh, I love the logo. What's that underneath it? It's a Bible verse. I get to tell. And they ask, or people ask, oh, what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. What does that mean? What do you do? And you get this great opportunity to talk about this wonderful thing we call the church. There is nothing like the church when it's working well. And that's why there's nothing more tragic than a church that isn't working well. Is there anything more disappointing than a gathering of leaders who have, gone, who have decided they're going to park the gospel in the garage and they're going to never take it out for a spin? What an amazing honour and privilege God has given us in the church to be part of this wonderful thing that he's created. But it only works when we understand and truly believe that the church is not a building. It's not a pastor. It's not your church council or your worship leader or whatever. It's not a denomination. It is a gathering of followers of Jesus Christ who are united by their love for him and for each other. A church that's working right is a church where everyone takes their place, whatever that place may be. And with the determination that we're going to take the keys of the kingdom and we're going to drive forward with the gospel and make an impact in this world. And so for the sake of this world, it desperately needs us. For the sake of the church, for the sake of your own personal growth, I want to leave you with a challenge. I want you to seek out what it means for you to be fully committed to his church. You see, what it means for me or what it means for Joe or what it means for Margaret may be something different than what it means for you. So I'm not going to stand up here and dictate to you what it looks like to be committed to the church. The challenge is for you to ask God, God, what it is you want me to be doing? How do you want me to be expressed in the church? And so I challenge you to commit yourself to this wonderful body of people. We're in the midst of a, a, a little mini-series we've been doing called the Easter Challenge. And it's a series of messages just designed to kind of challenge us in our faith, challenge us to get fully committed to God in so many ways. And so I invite you to come on that journey with me. Allow yourself to be challenged. 
get excited about taking the keys of the kingdom, you know, as if it was your first car when you're 17 years old. Take it out there and see what it can do. And let's use this opportunity that we have to become the church God has truly called us to be. I encourage you not to go. Don't come to church. Be the church. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that in your wisdom, you chose to establish the church. Lord, you didn't establish necessarily a set of rituals that we need to follow to be saved. You didn't set up a a, a bunch of self-improvement courses that we, we can do on our own or on the internet in order to make our lives better. Instead, Lord, you created a body for us to be part of. And that is a wonderful thing. Help us, Lord, to commit ourselves to your body for all its flaws, for all its weaknesses. Help us, Lord, to see its beauty. Help us to see its strength and potential. Help us to see the power that comes from your spirit through this body. Help us to commit to one another as we commit to you. Lord, we thank you that your your final prayer on, on this earth was about the unity of brothers and sisters. And you describe that as glorious. So help us, Lord, to live the fullest, glorious life we can live as we commit ourselves to one another to serve you and your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. An extra thanks to those who have generously donated to our ministry. You can find more sermon recordings or videos on our website, yokinebaptist.church, or by connecting with us on Facebook. God bless you.